Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. First Corinthians chapter 12, if you'll turn there, we're continuing in our series on the power of Pentecost that we began on what was a recognition of Pentecost Sunday. And what is Pentecost all about? It's all about us receiving and walking in the power that's within us for the purpose of changing our world. God didn't get you born again just to change you. God got you born again to change the world that you're in. To, help, to reveal the Father to those around you through the very power and ability that he gave you. A lot of people only see witnessing as something that's of a natural nature, of us just kind of talking to people, etc. But God wants you to be an actual witness, actually bearing forth the very gifts and abilities he gave you supernaturally to help change people's lives. When people see this power... Uh, it's actually available to every believer by the Holy Spirit living in us to help them, to empower us to help get them free, to help them walk in victory as a child of God. Guess what's undeniable now? God is. Right. They'll know God's for real. Amen. They'll know he, who he, he is, who he says he is. You know, have you ever met somebody, man, they'll tell you all kinds of stuff. Well, I can do this and this and this and this. And you're like, okay, right. But until I can actually see that you could prove that, is this really true? Because the truth is, you know, a lot of people in today's times especially know there's a lot of counterfeits. Right? A lot of counterfeits. A lot of people say one thing, but they don't really walk out what they say. Well, aren't you glad God doesn't say one thing and do something else? God does what he says. But you know what? The world doesn't know that. The world has been conditioned by the devil to think all this bad stuff going on is from God. They are actually taught false doctrines by aspects of what people themselves have gone through by experience, not being taught what Scripture clearly teaches us, etc. And therefore, Satan is really good as a deceiver, sadly, at getting people in the world to believe that all these bad things that happen in life, it's because of God. Must be God's will for you to go through this. Must be God's will for you to be sick. Must be God's will for you to go through all this pain and suffering, all this heartache. Well, let me help you. God's clear about this in the Bible. All good gifts come from the Father above, and who there's no variation, no shadow of turning. The only thing that comes from God that we don't like, in the sense of what we don't think is good, is His discipline. But He does not discipline us with sickness. How many of you parents discipline your kids with sickness? You've been bad. I'm going to go find a very horrible disease, a horrible sickness, and I'm going to give it to you because you've been bad. Now, if you, being earthly, would not do that to your children, how much more? See, the sad part about it is this world hasn't seen the true God that we know as believers has revealed in the Bible because a lot of believers have not been walking the power of God to reveal him. When we walk in the power of God to reveal him, people get free. People get healed. Come on, people get deliverance. And you and I want to be doing that. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. We've been now focusing on the gifts of the Spirit. Because part of this power of Pentecost is these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us 
that releases the power of God in people's lives to free them, to deliver them, and to help them. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be what? Ignorant. We're going to cover this more tonight. I'm completing this morning the overview of the nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Tonight, I'm going to talk about how you flow in them. How do we flow in these gifts? So we got to understand, we've got these gifts, how do we use them? We'll talk about that tonight. But today, I want you to see again, you're not to be what? Ignorant of these spiritual gifts. So let me give you a little heads up about what we're going to talk about tonight. Ignorant actually refers to two, two things. Ignorance means you don't understand it. It's that simple. If you're ignorant of something, that doesn't mean you're stupid, you're dumb. You know what I mean? You know, in the natural people say, well, you're just ignorant. They don't mean like, you know, in the sense like we know of biblical ignorance. You just don't understand it. No, they mean like you're stupid or dumb. But that's not what God means. When God says you're ignorant, he says you just lack understanding. You need to understand this more. You need to get a hold of this. So when he says don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts, spiritual things, if you want to know the truth, which includes spiritual gifts. If you want to really define what he just said, he said don't be ignorant of the spiritual well, that includes spiritual gifts. Why should we not be ignorant of things spiritual? Why? Because you're a spirit. That's right. And what are you dealing with in this earth? What are you really fighting against? Demonic powers. Right. So realize that you and I are not to be ignorant about spiritual matters, spiritual life, spiritual things. But that includes spiritual gifts. But there's a connotation. This definition of this word has two meanings to it. One, I have to understand it. But two, guess what else the word ignorant means? Don't ignore it. I'm going to wake you up. I'll say it one more time. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore the spiritual. A lot of Christians do. A lot of Christians still live a natural life. They don't develop spiritually. They don't learn how to walk through the context of the Bible, governed by their spirit. They don't learn to become spirit dominant. They ignore it. They ignore it. Christianity to them is a sermon on a Sunday, and then we go back about living our life like we've been living it every day out in the world. That's not Christianity according to God. Christianity according to God is living like Christ lived. How did Christ live? Governed by his spirit. Amen. He walked in the things of the spirit. I don't do anything except what I see the father doing. What's the father? He's a spirit. Yes. Amen. I don't see anything except what I hear the father saying. Can I help you? You would help your life a whole lot if you just only say what the father says. Amen. That alone will make a huge difference in your life. You want to know why so many people are depressed all the time, down and out, life's a blot of them, and everything's just bad about my life? I'm going to tell you why. They're not focused on spiritual things. They're focused on physical things. Yeah. You set your mind on the things of the flesh, you'll be carnal. And what will be the result? A corrupt focus of life. Everything to you will look like corruption. Everything will look like to you like bad. But if you focus on the things of the Spirit, guess what? Life and peace. I'm gonna tell you, that's an answer for some of you. Pay attention and listen. If you would focus on the things of the Spirit, guess what you'd start walking in? Life and peace. How many believe God didn't lie? But see, a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to keep living a natural carnal life and not, and therefore do what? Ignore the spiritual. You can't ignore the spiritual if you want to walk in the power of God. Amen. Anybody want to walk in the power of God? Yes. You can't ignore the spiritual and do that. So ignorant here doesn't mean just a lack of understanding. It also means to do what? You can't ignore it. Ignoring it means you act like it's not there. Well, guess what? Seems like a lot of Christians are ignoring the gifts of the Spirit. They're acting like they're not there. Yet we've all been given the ability to function in these gifts. Why are we not? Why are we not? I'll tell you what. One or two reasons from this verse. We either don't understand them or we're ignoring them. We're not choosing to learn. 
We're not choosing to develop. We're not choosing to figure out, okay, God, you gave me these gifts. How do I use them? How do I function in these gifts? Come on, somebody. God gave you gifts. He didn't mean for you, like I mentioned the other day. Uh, I think it was last Sunday. How many ever got a gift that somebody gave you, you just put it on a shelf and it's just still sitting there? Anybody get a gift like that? That's why I tell you all the time as a pastor, you know, when Pastor Appreciation comes, don't, don't buy me any more mugs. I, Kathy can tell you I got plenty. And I don't want to just put it on a, on a shelf somewhere, you know, and just set it aside. Well, in the natural, obviously, we can give gifts maybe somebody doesn't need. Can I help you? God doesn't give you gifts you don't need. God gave you gifts you and the world needs. Don't put them on a shelf. Don't ignore them. What's one of the ways we ignore them? We don't choose to learn. We don't choose to find out. How do I function in these, Pastor? How do I walk in these? What are they? Could I get a better amen? We just choose to keep going through our life saying, well, that's just not me. I'm not going to do that. Well, guess what, child of God? You may make heaven. I pray in Jesus' name you will. And obviously, if you love Jesus, you will. But you know what? You're going to give an account of why you didn't use those gifts. Thus saith the Bible. You're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and the Lord's going to say, I gave you all these gifts to help people. Why didn't you use them? Why didn't you use what I gave you? Why did you just keep it inside you? Why did you not learn? And I'll guarantee you what, in this church, you can't go before God and say, well, I didn't know. Excuse me, your pastor taught on it again and again and again and again. He gave you opportunity to learn how to function in it. How many think that was pretty cool? About a week ago, we had an opportunity. There were like four of you had a word of prophecy. That might have been the first time you've ever seen that function. Most of you don't realize these gifts are there trying to function in your life, but we're just not allowing them because we're ignoring them. No longer in Jesus' name. What are the gifts? These are weapons. To, to drive back the forces of darkness. Verse 7, you drop down to verse 7, sake of time. We'll just go right to them here. Manifestation, say manifestation, of the Spirit. So these are, that's why we call them the manifestation gifts. They're not to be dormant. Manifest means they're to be seen. They're to be used. They're to be recognized. Come on, they're to be functioning. How do you want to say that? They're to be in existence working through our life, not just sitting there, not on a shelf somewhere. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to how many of us? Tell me out loud, please. If you're born again, you've been given these gifts. The ability to function these gifts as the Spirit wills, of course. What are they for? Profit of everybody. Not just you. They're going to help a lot of other people. Verse 8. Let's go through them quickly. So, giving to us from the Spirit to, uh, to one is given the word of what? Wisdom. wisdom. What's the word of wisdom? That is supernatural revelation of something of the future. You didn't know it. Didn't come to your brain. Came to your spirit. Came up out of your spirit, man. That is supernatural revelation of something to come. Something of a future event. That's given to us by the Spirit. Who has the ability to function in these? Each one. To another is given the word of what? Knowledge. knowledge through the same Spirit. What's the word of knowledge? Supernatural. It's not of the brain. It's not because you saw something the natural. Not because you were looking at somebody, noticed how they were dressed, and say, oh, man, you must be poor based on the way you're dressed, which may not be true. But this a word of knowledge doesn't come by what you see. No. A word of wisdom doesn't come by what you see in the natural. It comes up out of your spirit. You didn't know it. You had no knowledge of it. God revealed it to you. God made it a word of your spirit, man. He's communicating with you. You're walking with him. You're talking with him. He's talking with you. This word of knowledge is what? It is present or past tense. 
facts, present or past tense facts, factual things that have happened. Verse 9, to another, faith by the same spirit. That is what? That's called the gift of faith. That's not normal faith, as we've already touched on all these and taught you every one of them. That's not normal faith that we can develop according to Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Romans 12, 3, you've been given a measure of faith. That's not this faith. This is supernatural faith. This is faith that does things. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That wasn't normal faith. You don't get thrown into a fire and say, our God can deliver us. I guarantee you, the average Christian today, they, they can't even say, my God would deliver me from the basic things they're facing the natural. They're moaning, groaning, crying, and complaining. Not these boys. Gift of faith came on them. And God did a supernatural work. So the gift of faith, obviously, is not normal faith, general faith. It's a supernatural faith. By the same Spirit. Verse 9, also gifts of what? Healings. By the same Spirit, is there any faith involved in the other person who we're actually seeing that minister to? No. It's the gifts of healings manifesting. Ten, to another the working of what? Miracles. Miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually. Distributing to what? Each one individually as he what? As he wills. So let's go through these real quick. There's three categories based on what they do of the nine gifts. Okay? The first category is revelation gifts. Why are they called revelation gifts? Tell somebody next to man, you're getting heavy revelation now. (laughs) Why are they called revelation gifts? They reveal something. What does a word of wisdom do? Reveals something of the future. What does a word of knowledge do? You didn't know this. It reveals something of the present or the past. It reveals something. What does discerning of spirits do? It reveals the motive behind the spirit of the human, whether it's of God or not. We walk through all these. Amen? Amen. Then we have the power gifts. Say power gifts. What are the power gifts actually for? Doing something supernaturally. Amen? Gift of faith. What does it do? It causes God's hand to move supernaturally. Gifts of healings. Right? That's a power gift. This is not like a context of somebody believing the Bible. Like the woman with the issue of blood? How did she get healed? Gifts of healings? No. And see, you need to understand these so as you're reading your Bible, you see where they're in operation and where they're not. A lot of people would look at that woman with the issue of blood and say, oh, that was gifts of healings. No, it wasn't. Jesus said, by your faith. By your faith. When gifts of healings manifest, they don't need no faith. And there's times throughout the Bible we see this happening in the book of Acts, even in Jesus' life. So realize the gifts of healings is a manifestation of the Spirit, again, as the Spirit wills, to bring forth a power into that person through you to heal their body. They had nothing to do with it. They had nothing to do with it. God manifests the gifts of healings. Well, why doesn't he heal everybody that way? Because they wouldn't stay well. The the Bible's clear. You've got to understand how to walk by faith, not gifts of healings. Can I get a better amen? What about the last one, working of miracles? What's working of miracles? Intervention in the natural by God with a supernatural happening that changes the course of ordinary nature. Changes the course of ordinary nature. I saw that happen. I saw a young boy dead. I saw God through me by my hands on him, raise him from the dead. That's not natural. The course of nature, he'd have been buried. Working of miracles manifest. He wasn't buried. He got up and walked off. Can I get a better amen? amen? That's working of miracles. So working of miracles isn't just raising the dead. We saw a lot of examples. of work. There's tons of working of miracles in the Bible. 
But this is God intervening supernaturally to change the natural course of what would normally happen in a person's life. That's the working of miracles. Those are the power gifts. Today we're going to talk about the last category, which is actually gifts of inspiration. Say inspiration. inspiration. Why inspiration? Because they inspire us. How many think we need some inspiration? Yeah. How many think we need some inspiring? Yeah. So let me give you these three gifts again. Number one, gift of prophecy. Number two, different kinds of tongues. Number three, the interpretation of that tongue. So let's walk through them. Let's start with prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So understand this gift of prophecy is not a word of knowledge. That's why it's actually spoken of different. Prophecy is not a revelation of wisdom to, of something to come or something present. Prophecy is actually something simple that will in some way do what? It will again inspire people. It will inspire them. I guarantee you we need this functioning in the body. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue what? Love. Love and desire what? Spiritual. Spiritual gifts. But especially that you may what? So this is that simple prophecy talked about of those nine gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. You can prophesy and not be a prophet. Matter of fact, if you prophesy, it doesn't make you a prophet. I get a better amen. As you're going to see, we can all prophesy. And we know that in the fivefold minister gifts, one which is a prophet, that's only given to a select few. Here he said that we are all to desire, especially that we may what? Prophesy. Not become prophets, but function in this gift of the Spirit called simple prophecy. You know if this was functioning in the body of Christ, how much stronger the body of Christ would be? Watch this. Verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to who? God. God. But no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he is doing what? He's speaking mysteries, hidden truths, the Bible says. Verse 3, but he who prophesies, say prophesies. Watch this. He who prophesies does what? This is, the, this is the gift of simple prophecy. He who prophesies speaks what? Edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. How many think some edification, exhortation, or comfort functioning through us to the body would be a great help? Well, why aren't we desiring it? Why aren't we desiring it? Why aren't we finding out about it? Why aren't we doing what he said? That we especially should desire to prophesy. I'll tell you why it ain't functioning. People aren't especially desiring they may prophesy. You listening? If we were, we'd see it functioning more. It's just the facts. So he said again, he who prophesies speaks what? Edification, exhortation, and what? Comfort to man. For he who speaks in a tongue does what? So it is still powerful for you. If you speak in a tongue, what are you doing? You're building yourself up. But he who prophesies does what? He's edifying the church. So what is simple prophecy for? Is simple prophecy for the sinner? Nope, it's for the church. So these three gifts are to function in the church. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. This doesn't help a sinner. This helps the church. This helps the body. This helps build the body. Those other six gifts should be functioning out there. These three gifts should be functioning in here. So he goes on to say in verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, meaning what? You should all get baptized in the Holy Ghost, learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Why? What's that going to do for you if you use it every day? Going to build you up spiritually. Going to make you stronger spiritually. What is our Monday nights all about? It's our spiritual gym. It's our spiritual gym. If you go to the gym of the natural, what are you doing? You're working out physically. If you come here on Monday nights, what are we doing? We're working out spiritually. 
What are we doing? We're praying. Set aside an hour. We pray about things God directs us, and then we spend the rest of the time doing what? Praying in the Spirit. Well, why are you doing that? What are we doing while we're praying in the Spirit? Edifying. Building ourselves up. Any good amens on that? I think a spiritual gym is probably more important than a physical gym. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you did what? Why? Why would he wish above all more that you would prophesy in the church? I'm going to tell you why. Because you would be edifying, exhorting, and comforting the body. If I spoke to you in tongues right now and didn't interpret it, that don't help you at all. Helps me. You listening? If I spoke in tongues right now, it helps me. Because the Bible says every time I speak in tongues, what am I doing? I'm building myself up. But if I interpret what I spoke, if I'm speaking it to the body, if I interpret what I spoke, what does that do? That'll bring a word of edification, exhortation, or comfort to you. Guess what we had Wednesday night at the start of our service without the tongue? We had a prophecy. God gave me a word, started speaking to me, a prophetic word about walking in faith. Amen? How many of you got edified? How many got comforted and built up? And then actually I had a chance to act on it, see it work for you. That's prophecy, folks. We need more of that. And if you're waiting on the pastor to be the only one to do it, we've forgotten this is given to all. I, just, I wish you all prophesied. Can I get a better amen? So this doesn't mean come to church and start telling people what they're going to do. This is not any revelation in here. There's no revelation of wisdom or knowledge in here. This is nothing more than edification, exhortation, and comfort. So let's go over it, okay? A word of prophecy of the nine gifts of the Spirit. We're now on the word of prophecy or what we know is simple, be a better way to say it, simple prophecy. What is it, Pastor? Here it is. It's inspired utterance. Doesn't come from your brain. Comes up out of your spirit, man. Just like all the rest of the gifts. It's inspired utterance to bring what? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Well, I wish we had more of that going on. Why don't you quit waiting for everybody else and start believing God to use you? Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Again, everybody that came, I don't determine when it happens. I I don't do it on Wednesday night to try to get you to come Wednesday night. I just obey God. We have it happen in multiple services. Can I get a better amen? The primary way God uses me is simple prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of those tongues that turns into simple prophecy. So prophecy, again, is inspired utterance to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. So let's define that, shall we? Thank you, Kathy. So I'm going to define this for Kathy. The rest of you take a nap for about the next 10 minutes. I'll just, let me talk to her, okay? So here's the actual definition. Edification means to build up or strengthen. To build up or strengthen. What's being said, if it's inspired utterance from the Holy Spirit, what is it doing to the rest of the body that's hearing it? It's building them up. It's strengthening them. What if it's not doing that? Well, if it's not doing that and it's not one of these other two, it ain't from God. That's simple. When people say, well, I have a word from God, and they start saying something in relationship to what they think is a prophecy, not wisdom, not knowledge, just something of a simple prophecy, if it doesn't edify, exhort, or comfort, guess what you know? That ain't from God. That ain't from God. Two, it also does what? It exhorts. Say exhorts. What's the definition of that, Pastor? Glad you asked. To embolden, to persuade, to encourage. To embolden, to persuade, to encourage. You know what that means? It's going to spur you on. Good old cowboy term. You listening? It's going to spur you on. Come on, you can do this. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't quit. 
Come on, somebody. A word of exhortation is going to do what? It's going to embolden you. It's going to make you more bold. It's going to persuade you. How many got persuaded to step up and release your faith Wednesday night? Let me see your hand. Well, see, that's what that word of prophecy did. It's going to do what? Persuade you. It's going to also do what? Encourage you. It's going to encourage you. The final thing that prophecy will do, it doesn't mean it'll do all these, but it'll at least do one or more. The third thing it will do, it will comfort. If it doesn't fall into one of these three categories, it's not from God. It's not simple prophecy. What's comfort mean? That's not hard to figure out. It will console in distress. It will console people in distress, in sorrow, in persecution, or suffering. It will console them in times of distress, sorrow, persecution, or suffering. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit knows what everybody's going through? Yes. What if the rest of the body was obedient to flow in prophecy? What would we do? We would help console people without even knowing that they may be in distress. They might be right now going through sorrow, persecution, or suffering. But a prophet, a simple word of prophecy can do what? Can bring comfort to them. I mean, you think this needs to be functioning in the church? I'd like a little better amen than just one yes, sir, from Kathy in the front row. How many think this should be functioning in the church? Well, I'm just waiting for somebody else to function in these gifts, Pastor. That's your problem. You're looking at everybody else instead of being obedient to function in this yourself. Can I get a better amen? amen? Well, I'm waiting for a simple prophecy. You don't need to do that. You need to obey God. Amen. I say you need to obey God. Go to Acts chapter 21. Hold your place here because we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 14 to finish up. But go to Acts with me for a moment. I've got to show you something real quick. Just so you know, Acts 21, this verse has been so, 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 so mistaught, misused in the Bible. These two sets of verses here. How many know Philip in the Bible, New Testament? Yes. The guy that got translated. Yes. Remember? Yes. The guy that met the Ethiopian yes. out in the desert, that Philip. Well, Philip had a couple daughters. Because of this, a lot of women have labeled themselves improperly. So let's clarify something here. Can we do that? Yes. Acts chapter 20. I didn't say you. Some of you look at me like, what? No, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about some people have done, done so. So understand something about simple prophecy. Does it make you prophet? No. Don't make you prophetess. No. I can't find the word prophetess in the Bible yet. I just see the word prophet in the Bible. Doesn't mean women can't prophesy words of exhortation, edification, and comfort just like a guy can. That don't make you prophet. I said don't make you prophet. Look at this. Acts chapter 21 verse. We just defined what simple prophecy was. Acts 21 8. On the next day we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist who was one of the seven and we stayed with him. One of those original seven chosen back in the day originally as a deacon and he turned into an evangelist. Verse 9. This man had four virgin daughters who did what? Now notice it did not say who were prophets. Or prophetesses. Didn't say that. What did it say they did? What does that mean? Same word. Means they spoke words of? Edification. Exhortation, edification, and comfort. That's all it means. Prophecy does not make you a prophet. There are a lot of self-proclaimed prophets today. I, I bring this up because we have a warning from Jesus. Jesus said in the last days, if you believe you're in the last days, raise your hand. If you don't, I'm going to pray for you. Because you need to recognize what's going on in the world to see where you're at in the, in the time frame of this earth. If you believe, actually the last days really started on the pour, outpouring of the day of Pentecost. Right. But we're in the last of the last days. If you believe that, you know what Jesus said about the last days? He said there'd be many false prophets. False. 
They'll claim to speak for God. What will they do? They'll deceive many. See, a lot of people are looking for a word from a prophet. You're not supposed to look for a word from a prophet. In the New Testament, you're not even supposed to be led by a prophet. There's never such a thing in the New Testament ever happening. Any context of a prophet like Agabus speaking to Paul, what he was talking to Paul about, Paul already knew. He already knew it. Can I tell you what? You probably really don't want people prophesying over you as a whole. Because if God's got to prophesy to you through a prophet about something that's going to come, it's usually not good. He's trying to strengthen you to say, hey, you know what? You know this stuff you've been sent to your spirit's going to happen? It's going to happen. But you stick with me, Paul. I'm going to get you through it. Agabus took a belt and bound his hands and said, so will they do to you in Jerusalem. Now, some people say Paul missed God. He shouldn't have gone to Jerusalem. Are you kidding me? You really believe that? No. You believe Agabus did that, had a direct word from God to say, this is what they're going to do to you when you get in Jerusalem. Now, Agabus was that clear on what was going to happen to him and he wasn't supposed to go. Guess what Agabus would have said? You're not to go. Why would God show him what's going to happen if he's not to go? Why would he do that? No, Agabus didn't say it. Others in the crowd said, Paul, don't go. Well, that wasn't the promise of Agabus. Agabus was saying, you already know this, Paul. You know this is going to happen. Why? He's got to go to Rome. He's got to go to Rome. And I'll guarantee you, I don't mean this like this is true or what happened, but I'll guarantee you, the church wasn't supporting his trip to Rome. God had to get him there. Only Philippi is supporting his work. God had to get him there. How to get him there? Got him arrested. Because he got him arrested and he appealed to Caesar. Guess what he got? Free trip to Rome. He did. What did God tell Paul? You are going to actually stand in Rome and preach for me. And until that happens, you can't die, son. You can't die. They can do whatever they want to in Jerusalem, but you ain't dying because you're going to go testify for me uh, before those in Rome. You listening? And Paul told the other immature little so-called prophets who thought they had a word, well, don't go, Paul. Paul said, are you kidding? You want to break my heart? Break his heart? Yeah, I'm going to obey God. God told me to go. You trying to break my heart and tell me not to obey God? No, I'm going. See, New Testament prophets aren't to direct your life. They confirm what you already know is true in your heart. Well, if you actually think you believe something God wants you to do that ain't biblical and you're trying to find a prophet to confirm it, again, you're out of line with God. Be careful about that. Well, I happen to know I have a ministry, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm just trying to find a prophet to confirm it. That's not what you do. If you really believe you had a ministry from God, then start doing it. Start doing it. But I would encourage you to make sure you got some leadership that believes in you, that knows that gift is there. Because in the book of Acts, this happened all through the book of Acts. Can I get a better amen? So again, prophecy doesn't mean you're a prophet or a prophetess. They were not prophetesses. This is the New Testament verse that all the women, and sadly, I know there's a lot of men that claim they're prophets, but they're not. But all, this is what all the women, based on the fact that, see, there were New Testament prophetesses. No, it didn't say there were prophets. No. It said they prophesied. That's right. What does that mean? Biblically, what does that mean? Like everybody else can in the body of Christ, they just learned to yield to the Holy Spirit, and God used them to speak what? Words of exhortation, edification, and comfort. Say it, prophesying. Doesn't make me a prophet. Romans chapter 12. Go there, please. Am I helping you at all? 
See, everybody, man, for so many years has taken that verse. Yes, I'm a prophetess because, you know, Philip's daughters, man, they were prophetesses. It never said that. It never said they had a call of a prophet. It said evangelist. Uh, how many know Philip did? Call, what did it call Philip? An evangelist. Did it call his, his uh, daughters prophets? It did not. What did it say his daughters, his daughters did? They prophesied. That's it. Romans 12, but you know when man wants to do something even apart from what is God's will, they're going to try to find a verse to confirm it in some way to use it to be able to prove what they're doing they think is God. I want you to see this real quick. Romans 12, 6, are you there? Yes. Having then gifts, say gifts. Yes. That includes gifts of the Spirit. That includes gifts of the Spirit. How I many know? Because we have gifts of the Spirit distributed to each one as the Spirit wills. Having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us do what? One of them is even mentioned here, prophecy. We should do what? We should use them. Having these gifts, we should use them. If prophecy, if you're called by God to be used consistently in this gift of simple prophecy, what should we do? Prophesy in proportion to what? Now let me explain something, why I brought you to this verse. Here's why. It takes faith to function in the gifts. Takes faith. You got to believe in them. You got to believe God wants to God, God wants to use me in these gifts. I got to the place where my pastor Jeff Copenhaver teaching us the Word of God made made me believe God wants to do through my life what He was testifying about. The things God was doing through His life, God wanted to do through me. Amen. I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't in ministry. I just going to church. Love the Lord, serving God, helping my church any way I could. But I would hear these incredible testimonies from Jeff Copenhaver of miracles and signs and wonders and things you know, he, God would do through his life to help people. And I'm like, God, I want to help people. I want to do that. I want to be able to do that. So you got to understand it takes faith. I said it takes faith. Part of what we're teaching is to build your faith to say, I can do this. God gave me this gift. So if he gave me these gifts, he wouldn't give them to me if I couldn't use them. But guess what it takes to function in those gifts? It takes faith. It takes faith. You've got to exercise your faith for it. Go to 1 Corinthians 14 again. If you saved your place, you're good. Just back, go back there. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. Look at me. Look together with me, please, at verse 39. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. So we're covering here, first of all, the gift of what? Simple prophecy. But tongues and interpretation is really it's the same thing. So we're not going to have to go a bunch of detail about tongues and interpretation. We're just going to focus on prophecy and then explain the tongues and interpretation along with that. Notice verse 39. Therefore, brethren, desire what? Would you underline that, please? Three of you said it. I want you to say it out loud, please. Desire what? To what? Say it again. Say this. I should desire earnestly to prophesy. Every believer should. Every believer should. If all the believers were allowing God to use them in civil prophecy within the church, what will we have going on? Edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. How much stronger would the body be? A lot stronger. So again, he says in verse 39, Desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to do what? Now, I don't have time, but if you go through this whole chapter, he's talking about in the church. Oh, wait a minute. He said in the church, we should not speak in tongues. No, he said you should not speak to one another in tongues. Not without interpretation. Because right. it helps nobody. Right. But he did not say not to pray in tongues. Right. He said in the church, we'll pray with our understanding. I don't have time to teach it. See, it's in there. 
We'll pray with understanding and we'll pray with the Spirit. You know why? Because we don't know to pray for everything as we ought. But we got to help her. Even as a church. Yeah, but then people will think you're crazy. No, they won't. He didn't say that. He didn't say if y'all praying together in the Spirit, they're going to think you're crazy. You know, what he's gonna, you know what's going to make them think they're crazy? He said, if you're speaking to one another, if you're all talking to the other in tongues, they're going to say, man, what are these people doing? He's a bunch of weirdos. He didn't say don't pray. I said he didn't say don't pray. By the way, he said tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. What are they going to see at Walmart? Where's an unbeliever going to see tongues? Not out in the world. Are you listening? We don't, we don't have a verse that says, well, in this same chapter, it says tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. So I guess that means we go out in the world and we just start walking around all wherever we go. What's that? It's a sign to you. Of what? That you're crazy? But see, when it's done in the church, here's why. Because when you pray in tongues in the church, what do we do when we tell you to pray in the Spirit? Hey, let's take a moment. Let's just pray in the Holy Spirit and let's talk to God. Guess what people know? They're talking to God. See, it's not just somebody randomly, you know, using tongues out in their world. They don't know why you're doing it. But they do in here. If it's a tongue and interpretation, guess what? They just watch God manifest. They just watch God work. That's a sign to the unbeliever. This God is for real. I said, this God is for real. So I want you to see this again. Do not forbid to speak with tongues, verse 39, 40. This is a key. Underline it, please. Let all things, say all things. Let all things be done what? Decently and in order. Guess what should not happen right now in the middle of me preaching? Somebody stand up and start speaking in tongues. Well, why could that happen, Pastor? Because he's not the author of confusion. Everything's supposed to be done decently and in a proper order. Guess what the order of the service is right now? Me teaching you the word of God. If a tongue came forth, it would come from me. Not somebody else in the congregation. But we'll talk about this as when prophecy is actually working in the church based on scripture as a context of being done decently in order. When does that happen? We'll talk about that in a minute. I just wanted you to see that everything's got to be done what? Decently and in order. God's a God of order. Say he's a God of order. All right, now what about different kinds of tongues? Back up again, please, to 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Go back to the start of the chapter again. I know we just read it. We're going to go right back over it. Because we don't have to go through a lot of verses to talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues. So we just covered simple prophecy. Say, say simple prophecy. Now we're going to talk about what? What the Bible calls different kinds of tongues. When you see it as a manifestation gift of the Spirit in relationship to the nine gifts of the Spirit, it's what's known as different kinds of tongues. Another way to say it is inspired utterance. Inspired utterance in a tongue, in an unknown language, in a language we don't know. Because the Holy Spirit's inspiring you in the moment to speak out in tongues. To speak out in the congregation. To the whole congregation in a word of tongues. So that's inspired utterance or what we know as different kinds of tongues. Is that the same thing as our personal language? No. No, because now we're actually doing what? We're actually being used of God to speak a word to the church. When I pray personally or I talk in tongues personally, who am I talking to? God. But when I'm now actually being used by God to bring that tongue and an interpretation of the prophecy of that tongue, is that speaking to God? Are we edifying God? Are we exhorting God? Are we comforting God? No, we're not. Who are we edifying, exhorting, and comforting? Man. So this is a tongue given to the church. Then interpreted, bringing forth what? Exhortation. 
edification, or a word of comfort. Can I get a better amen? In relationship to simple prophecy, you can do all that just with simple prophecy. But for some, in relationship to how God will use us, sometimes to get you into the spirit to hear what he's saying, he'll have you first of all speak a tone. In some cases, somebody else may interpret. But in most cases, even the person speaking it has the ability to interpret. So it is known as different kinds of tongues, not personal, different kinds of tongues, because God's going to speak different words of exhortation, edification, and comfort. Initiating a tongue in a language that we what? We don't understand. So back to 1 Corinthians 4.1, again, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. That's the personal use. You're not speaking to the church, you're speaking to God. For no one, of course, understands him. But however in the Spirit, he's doing what? Speaking mysteries. He who then prophesies is bringing edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, for he prophesies, excuse me, edifies himself. But he who prophesies again does what? What does he do? Edifies the church. Drop down to verse 27 now. Same chapter with that thought in mind. Go down to verse 27. So let's compare the difference between individual use for edifying me and now the gift, the manifestation gift of tongues that comes in a service that is to be interpreted, which equals what? Simple prophecy. What will the interpretation of that tongue bring? Exhortation, edification, or comfort. If it doesn't, it wasn't of God. Verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, in the church, in the congregation, let it be two or at the most three. So what is this referring to? Different kinds of tongues. This is referring to the manifestation gift that is actually a word coming up out of someone's spirit that they believe they're to speak to the whole church. It could actually be up to two or three people. May not just be one. A second one may pick right up where that person left off. And then a third one. But he says no more than two or three. It won't go beyond that. If anyone speaks in a tongue, this is to the church, let it be two or at the most three, each in turn, underline it, and let one interpret. So that tells you this is not your own personal prayer language. This is for the aspect of the church, different kinds of tongues and interpretation. So when that gift comes and manifests through someone's spirit, it would be no more than two or three people. It doesn't have to be two or three people. It may just be one person. But here he's saying, and let one interpret. So we know in verse 27, he's not talking about you talking to God and building yourself up, is he? No, No, he's not. He's talking about you speaking to the church, of which that word gets interpreted to the church in natural language, and it brings forth what? Help to the church. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Can you see that? I said, can you see that? 27, if anybody speaks in a tongue, let there be again, be two or at the most three, each in turn, let one interpret. 28, but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Meaning that in in the clear context of God using you in this way, God would only inspire you to do so if he knew there was somebody that could interpret it. Why would he speak to the church a tongue if we can't interpret it? Now, I'm going to show you right now in just a minute this, this next verse coming up. God says you can interpret it. That's right. you Even you can if you give the tongue. Now, sometimes God will use people. He used Brother Goodwin and his wife like this all the time, Brother Hagin's meetings. 
Brother Hagin's meetings, constantly, all the time, you would have Brother Goodwin and his wife functioning in these gifts together. His wife would give the tongue, and God would give him the interpretation. Hallelujah. Happened all the time in their meetings, constantly. Proven by God because it was exhortation, edification, comfort to the church. And they were used mightily in these gifts. It was the way the Holy Spirit used them almost all the time in blessing the church. But notice this next verse. Watch this again. 28, let's back up. If there's no interpreter, let him keep silent. Let him speak to himself and to God. 29, let two or three prophets speak. Talking about the context of the gift of the prophet. And let others judge. But if anything is revealed, verse 30, to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Now watch this, 31. You can all do what? Tell me again, please. You can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So that just means in the context of a prophetic word given, not simple prophecy, it is to be judged by the leadership of that church and whether it's actually from God or not. Now, even simple prophecy is to be judged in that way. Because if somebody gave a word, I am... The prophetic voice of this church, not a prophet. I'm the one called by God to, in, through inspired utterance to teach this church and speak the word of God. Amen? And therefore, because of that, if somebody had a prophecy, and I clearly knew in my spirit that's not of God, I would tell the church that's not of the Lord. And the primary way I'd know that in my spirit, it didn't edify, it didn't exhort, it didn't comfort. There was no witness in my spirit that that had happened. And therefore, this is talking about the use of tongues in what? In the gift of inspired utterance. So let's define different kinds of tongues then. What is different kinds of tongues, Pastor? It's inspired utterance to be interpreted. The manifestation gift of different kinds of tongues is inspired utterance to be interpreted. Do you have to have inspiration from the Holy Spirit to use your personal prayer language? No, you don't. You can pray in the Spirit anytime you want. Just yield to the Holy Spirit. But the different kinds of tongues in the church has to be what? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. You can't just decide, well, I want to speak in a tongues. I'm going to speak in a tongue. That's not different kinds of tongues. That's not inspired utterance by the Holy Spirit. You listening? You'll get some people in churches where you'll have one person always think they have a tongue to give. And it may not be of God. They might be wanting the attention. You listening? And they might just be speaking out of their own spirit, which is maybe truly a gift to, excuse me, maybe a, a word from the spirit, a, a word of a tongue from the spirit, but it ain't inspired utterance to the church. So it has to be what? Inspired by the Holy Spirit in my spirit to be able to speak it to the church. Amen? Amen. Different kinds of tongues, say it with me, is inspired utterance to be what? Interpreted. So last but not least, interpretation of tongues. Write that down. So what is the interpretation of tongues? It means to simply reveal the message of God that was given by tongues. Interpretation of tongues. To reveal the message from God by tongues to the church. When different kinds of tongues takes place, inspired by the Holy Spirit, utterance to the church, what will follow? Interpretation. A revealing of the message from God by tongues to the church. Now that is only going to come initially as a word or two. 
When somebody starts speaking in tongues, guess what every other believer needs to do? Quiet your mind, listen to your spirit. God may not give you the interpretation, but he may. And usually you'll know it because there'll be like one or two words that'll just come up in you really strong up out of your spirit, man. He won't give you the whole thing. When they're done speaking, you'll start with that word or two and guess what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll give you the rest. Now I want to explain something about interpretation of tongues. It's not a translation. It's called interpretation, not translation. If somebody spoke in Spanish, who speaks in Spanish here? Raise your hand if you speak in Spanish. Anybody speak in Spanish? Hola. What does it mean? Hello. Isn't that pretty similar? Hola, one word. Hello, one word. But see, that's not true of tongues and interpretation. It's not a translation. A tongue could be short. The interpretation could be longer. I've heard people say, well, that can't be a God because that was a short tongue. That was pretty long interpretation. No, it's called an interpretation. It's not a translation. You listening? How God may interpret that for people to understand may be shorter than the word was given. Maybe longer than the, talking about the actual phrasing, maybe longer. Because it's called what? An interpretation. Now, some people need to be careful because they might start getting the interpretation and they might, be go, they might go beyond it. We've got to make sure we're careful just to say what we're being inspired by God to share. But that's why in the church, this is why it's done in the church, because guess what I will do? I will judge it. I will judge it whether that was from God or not. We had this happen, what was it, Sunday? Was it Sunday, last Sunday night? Sunday night, man. We got to the end of the service. I was teaching on some of this. I said, okay, God gave me a word standing there before I came up. But I'm not going to share it because God told me it's time for you to start learning. Right. Now, you all take a moment, quiet your mind, and you just stand here and begin to worship God in your heart. Don't be talking to him and listen to your heart. If God gives you a word, speak out. Joshua Dibbs, right in line with what God gave me. Yes. Right in line. Yes. And then somebody else had another word. Somebody else had another word. Somebody else had another word. All four of those went right together with exhorting us to realize we can all be used in these gifts. Could I get a better amen? And they all went right together. If any of those would not have been of God, I, I would have said, don't get upset. That was not of God. That don't mean don't ever try to be used of God again. You know what that means? You learn. I did not actually hear from God there. So I'm going to learn and make sure that I do. But it doesn't mean you give up. How many of you rode a bike the very first time with no training wheels and never fell down? Uh, no. Let me see your hand. I remember when my mom pulled my training wheels off. My dad actually did. You kidding me? I wiped out for weeks, man. But I didn't quit. I kept getting back on the bike. And I got really good. To where I didn't wipe out anymore. You don't actually learn these things without ever making a mistake. But this is why he said in the church is where this functions. Because then it can be recognized and judged whether whether it's from God or not. You don't go out here to the park and sit with somebody at the park and they say, I got a word for you. You listening? No, 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 no. No, I ain't going to let you come over here to the park and give me a word. Why could you not do that in front of pastor? I got a word for you, sister. And we need to go out to my car. And we need to go out to the parking lot. Let me tell you the word God gave me. Now, wait a minute. If he gave you a word, he could tell you in here the same as he could tell you out there. Amen. Then you know if it's of God or not. Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? So understand, we don't run off and become little prophets prophesying everywhere we go. Where, where is this gift functioning according to the Bible? In the church. It's building up the church. That's what he said. I said that's what he said. 
So let's look at a little further interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 4 again. So verse 5, he said, 14, thank you. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5 again, he said, I wish you all spoke with tongues again, but even more that you did what? Prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he does what? Say it out loud, please. Unless he interprets that the church may what? So we can interpret. When God does give us a word to the church, he said you can interpret it. He doesn't give you a word of tongues to speak to the church without there being interpretation. There would be no need for that. Can you see that? We're not talking about praying again. Together, led by God, led, led by our pastor or whoever's up here, said, let's all pray in the Spirit. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a time that all of a sudden somebody has an inspired utterance to speak. Well, he's not going to do that if there's not an interpretation. Amen. Drop down to verse 12. Notice this, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, and we should be, let it be for what? Tell me out loud. Desires to do what? Build the church. Not to build me. Look how great I am. Y'all need to start listening to the Holy Spirit more. I do. What's wrong with you? How come you? That's not why he gives you those gifts. (laughs) It's, It's to do what? To edify the church. You should do what? You should actually do this to edify the church. That's why you should seek to excel. We should all seek to excel in these things to do what? Make our church stronger. Amen. Give some a high five. Say, we all need to be doing this. 13, therefore let him who speaks in a tongue, underline it, pray that he may interpret. If God gives you a tongue to the church, take a moment, pray. You don't got to sit there, oh God, what do you want to say? No, you just quiet your mind and say, now Lord, do I have the interpretation of that? And if you don't, then don't speak. He'll give it to somebody else. But when you actually are used by God to give an inspired utterance, are you done? No. You now do what? What he just told you. Pray that you may interpret. God, do you want to give me the interpretation of that? If nothing comes to your spirit, just be quiet. Because he may give it to somebody else. Can I get a better amen? So this is talking about the use of tongues to the church to bring words of prophecy, simple words of exhortation, edification, and comfort to men of which we are to do what? Pray to interpret. So again, he says in verse 13, let him who speak in a tongue pray that he may interpret. 14, for if I pray in a tongue, what's, who's praying? My spirit. my spirit is, but my understanding again is what? Unfruitful, meaning obviously don't know in my mind what's being said, but my spirit can. My spirit can because that's where it comes from. So the point again is simply saying the interpretation doesn't come from your head. It's not what you think. Well, I'm thinking about somebody. I know exactly what they need to hear. I know what they need. Ah, For sure, I'm sure this tongue was for them. No, that doesn't come from God. It's coming up out of your spirit, man. I said it comes up out of your spirit, man. Any good amens on that? All right, so how does this simple prophecy work, Pastor? Words of exhortation, edification, and comfort. Two ways. Two ways. That word of prophecy and or tongues and interpretation equaling simply pro- simple prophecy can be by simple words spoken. What happened last Sunday night? Simple words spoken. You ready? Or a vision. Or a vision. God may not give you words. He might give you a vision. Well, here's what I saw. You listening? That could be a prophecy. That could be a, uh, what you saw could be a picture of something God can use to bring edification, exhortation, or comfort to somebody in the room. Are you listening? 
Years ago, I had a simple prophecy, came as a vision. Doesn't happen very often. I saw it as clear as a bell. I began to speak out the word. I had no idea that this applied to anybody in my church. I was obeying God. And as I spoke out what I saw in this vision, this lady stood up and started weeping, man. She just started crying. She said, that's me. That happened to me this week. And you just gave me the comfort to know I didn't do that on purpose. But I've been beating myself up all week long based on what happened. But thank God, God heard, you heard from God and God has confirmed to me like I always knew. I just let the devil beat me up that I didn't do that on purpose. It was an accident and I'm forgiven. Can I get a better amen? That, that came through a vision I saw. That, that just came through a vision God showed me. Are you listening? So it can come through a word. Say a word. Where's that word come from? Up out of your spirit. Or it could come through a vision God gives you out of your spirit. You wouldn't have known it. You wouldn't have thought it. It just came up out of your spirit. It's like, where, where, where's that coming from? Up out of your spirit, man. I wasn't thinking about that. No, it just comes up out of your spirit, man. And it's made known to your soul, your mind. Your mind's not your brain. I really want to teach on this. Most Christians think their mind is this brain up here in your head. No, it ain't. If it's this brain up, in your, up here in your head, when you leave this body, you're leaving without a mind. Are you listening? Yes. Your mind's a part of your soul. Yes, it is. Your soul's a part of your, connected to your spirit, man. Your soul's mind, will, and emotions. Your mind is what you actually use to focus on things. You listening? That's in your soul. That's not your brain up here. That's not your brain. Your brain functions to utilize things of the natural or things of the spirit to be able to convey them in a way that you can bring them with understanding. But that's not, your brain's not your mind. If your brain's your mind, everybody in heaven does not have a mind. But they do. Why? Because your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. That's inside you. That's not this brain up here. That's inside you. And when your soul turns willfully to your spirit man, now it can pick up what your spirit man's conveying to it. Your mind can relay that to your brain so you can open this mouth and speak it out and actually say what your mind picked up from your spirit man. That's how it works. Amen. See, if you're sitting here waiting for a word to come to your brain, you're waiting on the wrong thing. You quiet this thing up here and you listen with the inner man inside here, your mind on the inside. What's the Spirit saying? Amen. Do you understand that? Hallelujah. All right, I got to finish real quick. When does this simple prophecy, where does it function? Church. Functions in the church to build up the church. When does this simple prophecy happen, Pastor? So when does it happen? So like right in the middle of your message, we can just stand up and start speaking in tongues? No. Right in the middle of worship, you know, Matt's got to this high point man of this song, and I'm just going to stand up and start prophesying out loud while y'all singing? No. We're not going to hear you. So when does it happen? Let me tell you when it happens. Primarily in the function of the church. You ready? Here's when it happens. It usually happens at the end of a time of worship because people who have been worshiping get close to God. They start hearing from God. Many times I'm standing there, we're worshiping, God speaks to me, and I come up here and I start speaking. Many, many times. You should learn worship's a part of not only honoring and worship God, it's a part of getting close to God. And if you do that, a lot of times God may have a word. I may come up here sometimes and stand here quietly, and if I'm standing here quietly, guess what God's waiting on you? God's waiting on you. He's waiting to see, are you going to speak what I gave you? Whether it's a tongue... Than interpretation or just a simple prophecy. 
Well, you might have something inspired on your, on your heart that's coming up out of your heart to share with the church. When would I do that? Well, not while pastor's talking. But there's times God will prompt me to just be quiet, and I'll just stand there and be quiet. You ought to be listening to your spirit saying, Lord, is there something you want to say here? And he may not want to. He might just want us to be quiet. I mean, you know, sometimes that's good. But I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of times people don't understand. When does this gift function in the church? When God gets the service at a place where all of a sudden there's just a quiet time in that service at the context end of the worship or a time in ministry or whatever. Guess what other time God will tend to use people in simple prophecy? End of the service. Why? He's going to reaffirm what he just spoke. He's going to reaffirm what he just taught. Are you listening? Yes. What you need to learn, your pastor is used in this area. What you need to learn is you need to learn to watch others function in this gift so you can learn how. Amen. That's what I learned from my pastor. My pastor is a prophet. Yes, I'm not called to be a prophet. I know Don thinks I'm one, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I appreciate him saying that because I've had words of wisdom for him or others. And, you know, anybody can get those words from God. But it's not my primary gifting. My primary gifting, of course, is a pastor teacher. Those two giftings. But God uses me consistently in the area of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. I'll be a very witness that in this church anytime you've been here. And the length of time you've been here. So understand, though, you should learn from watching your pastor. When does he actually do that in our service? How to, don't come up here and stand here and look at me and go, I'm watching, Pastor. See how you're going to do. <laughs> That's not what I meant, just so nobody walks up here and says, well, I'm going to watch him. <laughs> we'll see what it is. No. I learned watching my pastor and services. Mm-hmm. How do you learn anything? Right. Come on, how does a child learn from a parent? They watch what the parent does. Oh, that's how you do it, see? Watch, watch what people do. Amen. Learn from them. Learn when they get quiet. Learn how they operate in, in obedience to the Spirit. And you start picking up on that. Mm-hmm. Can I get a better amen? amen? And I began to learn. I began to watch my pastor. I began to see him in context in the service where all of a sudden he just calls somebody out. And I got access to him, of course, but I had, I had a knowing. I had a knowing. I don't think he's just telling them that's the person. So I finally asked him, I said, so I've had this happen a couple times. This is years ago when we first met him. I said, I've had this happen a couple times. How do you know when you got a word of wisdom, word of knowledge for somebody? Because I want to make sure I'm doing this properly. He said, for some reason, they'll stand out to you. Your, your heart will be drawn to them. We'll talk about this tonight. How do we flow in the gifts? Your heart will be drawn to them. Love will come out of your heart for them. Or there'll just be something about them that'll stand out. Now, in the context of a pastor, God may just start talking to you about one of your church members. I don't mean talking to you like they're doing this. That's what I mean. I just mean you just, your, your name will keep coming before me. Amen. Many times when I've called people up, I stood you up or spoke a word over you. I'll tell you why. Because from the time I started praying back in the back and the time I got a hair during the service, guess what? God keeps bringing your name back to me. Guess what I know? He wants to say something. And or have me pray over you. Do something. He's telling me, hey, I want you to minister to this person. Now, you know what? Most of the time when I call you up, I have no idea what God's going to do. I just know he's telling me. And I confirmed all this with my pastor. I said, so when you get these words of wisdom, a prophet functions in words of wisdom, words of knowledge all the time. They constantly flow in those two areas. A true prophet. And again, they're just confirming what you already know if it's future. Hadn't happened yet. They're revealing what you already know if it's obviously knowledge because it's already happened. You listening? And I said, so how do, you, how do you know this? He said, somebody stands out. I said, you have everything? Sometimes you might get one word. 
I've had that happen. I've had people come to my, uh, like a vision in my mind. I see them, per person of the congregation, and a word comes, just one word. When I call them up and I start speaking that word, more comes. But a lot of times, that's all you get. And so I said, is this accurate? He said, oh yeah, man. It's exactly how God used you. We know in part, Daryl. We prophesy in part. There, we're going to know everything. We don't know everything here. Nobody does. That's why he doesn't give you everything. He just gives you what you need. You listening? And it's usually going to start with an impression. Your heart's going to go out to them. You're going to see them. Something about them stands out in the congregation. Because I've had people come first time to our church. You know, I don't, do, I don't, I don't look to do this because, you know, you don't want to make people nervous and scare them off. But I'm going to obey God. I've had people come first time to church. And I mean, I, I get up here, I start looking around. They, every time I scan the audience, they just stand out. Don't get nervous if you're new to our church. But I, I, they just stand out, man. And obviously, every time I spoke, it blessed them. Right. I didn't even know them. I said, I don't know. You could, could you come up here? Could I pray for you? Sure, they'll come up. God wouldn't call somebody out there going like, no, I ain't coming up. No, I ain't coming up there. Well, he would have never called you out. He knows the heart of all men. Can I get a better amen? I don't ever hardly ever know what God wants to do. You got to obey. Say you got to obey. What does it take to function the gifts? Faith. So how does this simple prophecy work? You get a word. You don't get a whole sentence. You listening? Sometimes, I mean, a whole sentence. You might have a short sentence, but I don't mean, you don't get like a paragraph. You listen? You don't, he don't give you a sermon. He gives you something to start with. And it just keeps rising up in your spirit. Everybody have that happen? Anybody ever that happen? Have you ever had that happen? Yes, no, maybe. Let me see your hand if you ever had it happen. Well, guess what that is? That's the Holy Spirit trying to bring a word of prophecy. What do you got to do? You got to obey that. Got to obey that. Kind of look for that opportunity. Lord, I know you do things decently in order. And if this is of you, then I know for a fact there's going to be an opportunity in the service for me to give that. But when that time comes, you better obey. You listening? What if I don't? You missed a chance to grow. But more importantly, you missed a chance to bless. Amen. What do words of prophecy do? Edification, exhortation, comfort to men. Have I bored you yet? Yeah. Great. We got another hour, so no, I'm joking. Let's go over it real quick again. So prophecy, these are the, can you see why they're gifts of inspiration? Because yes. they're all tied to what? Exhortation, edification. They inspire people. They don't put people down. Don't make them feel bad. It's not revealing anything bad about them. No, it's exhorting them. It's encouraging. So simple prophecy is inspired. Say inspired. inspired. We're not dreaming it up in our brains. No, it's coming up out of our spirit, man. Yes. Our soul, our mind of our soul is picking up on it. And then we allow that to be conveyed to our brain and our words. It's inspired utterance to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. So in this context under the inspired gifts, gifts of inspiration, then what's different kinds of tongues? inspired utterance. Do I have to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to pray in tongues? No. I could ask you all to stand right now that's baptized the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be inspired. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to inspire you. You listening? Bible says very clearly when you're praying the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Edifying yourself, building yourself up on your most holy faith. Oh, I'm supposed to wait for God to do that? No, He should be doing that all the time. Come on, somebody. So different kinds of tongues is what? Inspired utterance that is to be what? Interpreted. So therefore, it's a word given to the whole congregation that would then have to be interpreted. So if I get an inspired utterance from the Holy Spirit in tongues, what should I do when I'm done? What should I do when I'm done? 
Lord, do you want me to interpret this? Man, Joshua's listening. I'm moving Joshua to the front row. Lord, do you want me to interpret this? If you have a word for me that you want me to interpret this, I'm listening. And you just get quiet. What if you don't? Don't say nothing. He'll give it to somebody else. Amen? And I can assure you this, because I function in this gift, if nobody else gets it, I know God will help me interpret it. I may ask you to give it again. But I know God will help me interpret it. Amen? Now imagine if the body of Christ got good at this area of gifts of inspiration. How could we not leave the church inspired, exhorted, or encouraged? Huh? We would. Doesn't mean there has to necessarily be a simple prophecy in every church. Whether you know it or not, you got some today. Most don't, know, don't realize it. You listening? If a pastor or any minister of the pulpit is doing what God called him to do in the midst of his message, guess what part of his message is? Prophecy. Things I didn't think about. I didn't prepare. I didn't, I didn't have a written sermon that I'm just reading from a page. In the midst of that message, God will give me something to say. It's been happening all through this message. So it happens consistently in context of the word of God that's being preached, but he wants believers to be able to be a part of that to help build up the church. Any good amens on that? Stand to your feet. Praise God. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.